0: The GOP is pro-life, and they'll prove it by killing Planned Parenthood doctors in the name of Jesus, and then send your son or daughter off to war. Unfortunately, the Dems are so inept that they're currently vetting the Crypt Keeper from the Creep Show movies to round off the 2024 VP ticket, so they have a young face in the campaign. <laughs> So let's leave it alone Cause we can't see eye to eye There ain't no good guy There ain't no bad guy There's only you and me And we just disagree The Dave Mason Timeless Classic <clears throat> Anyway, I was uh, I was on YouTube the other night And I just typed in, see I've been doing a lot of groundwork, a little bit of recon, excuse me, for um, my June trip. And so I pulled up uh, Amtrak uh, from Sacramento to San Luis Obispo. And somebody, in their infinite wisdom, just simply videotaped... The train from leaving Sack Valley Station and lumbering its way through the railway yards past the uh, Davis Causeway down to Emeryville and then along the edge of the bay over to Oakland on its way through all the shipyards and then the outlets through the bay, parts of the Carquinas Bridge, and then south to uh San Luis Obispo but it was really cool because if you go to widescreen on your computer it looks as though you're just sitting in the train you're looking out the window so i sat there as the monitor just gave us a, a window display of uh of our trip and i so <laughs> my lady sitting there and i go i just start narrating it i'm like the uh, i was like the conductor and uh Yeah, just like that. And uh, I was like, uh, hello, folks, and welcome aboard the Amtrak, the Starlight Express. We're currently heading south. If you look out your window, currently we are passing the causeway going into Davis. We'll be heading into Emeryville and stopping off in Oakland. And also, uh, I'd like to praise our dark lord, Satan. So... Buckle up and enjoy the ride and keep your face masks on. <laughs> and, just, and that kind of that kind of threw her off a bit. I thought how funny or how odd or how disconcerting it might be to have the conductor that you're riding the train of. as you're riding the train as he's kind of giving an intro to the to the uh the whole trip, an overview. And then he just kind of praises his dark lord Satan. And she didn't, my lady didn't, she didn't find the same humor that I did, but uh, if I remember correctly, I think Aubrey Plaza thanked her our, <laughs> our Dark Lord Satan for some Emmy thing or something. I don't know. It's just funny shit. It doesn't mean anything, but uh, I I thought it was comforting, nevertheless, but uh, but, uh, 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 so, so it looks as though the, uh, my body, my choice crowd for vaccines looks like they're about to, uh, take control of women's bodies, I guess, I don't know, Samuel uh, Aliota, the fucking conservative Supreme Court justice is floating around a inner vote to overturn Uh, Roe v. Wade, which is always a real non-polarizing subject. I mean, Jesus. Um, So here we go. Here we go, folks. Um, uh, It just, you know... From an objective viewpoint, it would seem that the GOP proponents of freedom are gonna try and put the chastity belt on the female population, all the while complaining, not you know, that they don't have to take, you know, a vaccine. And I think, in their impression, I think, again, I don't, and I don't, I don't have a dog in the fight. I can't, I can't stand either side. I can't stand. I mean if I was a politician, I would be in the aisle. I wouldn't be on. I couldn't, I couldn't, it, it, the whole thing is barb, it's, it's ridiculous. It's like a, it's like a caricature of itself. You know, they seem to think that, uh, evidently all the Democrats just want to kill babies. Like their whole agenda, like, you know, let's get out and kill them babies. Let's get out. <laughs> you know, let's, yeah that like they're rallying people just go out and kill babies i don't think that's the objective you know um but like i say i don't i don't have a dog in the fight other than three daughters and um so i think both sides have to kind of uh, the the the, the ideologies see are they're they're both dug in on their ideologies and the problem with the ideologies any ideology anything, any idea, any ideology that you're accountable for is, uh, it, it limits you, you know, what I mean, you've got these virtue signaling legislators, lawmakers, politicians digging in on their ideologies, not willing to budge. There's no room for nuance. You know, you can't have a, you can't have a pro second amendment liberal and you can't have a pro-choice conservative it's not it's not allowed it's not it's illegal um when you when you arrive in congress as a junior legislator first year congressman or whatever you call junior con- whatever you call them you know they issue your protocol this is how you're gonna vote this is how you're gonna think this is how you're gonna act so you have to you have to drink the kool-aid whichever side you're on you got to drink the kool-aid you know what i'm saying but I just love the notion that conservatives think like the that the liberals and the Democrats are like their whole agenda is just to kill babies. We just, we got to kill them babies. We got to get rid of them babies. There's just babies everywhere. I mean, what are they doing? They just sit around. They don't have teeth. They can't eat meat. What's the what's the, what good are they? You know, it's like the uh, makes me think of the the Beatles album. Uh, which one was it? Um, one of their first. Early albums When they were still kind of a pop band And they had all the dead babies on the cover Protesting the Vietnam War Of course conservatives as pro-life As pro-life as they are Will readily send your son or daughter to war To get ground up into hamburger But But don't display any Fake dead babies on your album You know So Um (laughs) Oh God Um, I like the You know what I think it all boils down to the Timeless classic of uh, The bumper sticker uh, Kill them all and and let God sort them out (laughs) I mean that's pretty pro-life That's pretty nice So um, That's the charm of the conservatives right there the timeless classic kill them all lit god sort not. meanwhile you got ben shapiro over there trying to figure out why his wife's vagina is wet and he can't figure out you know he's he's still trying to figure out the lyrics to the cardi b song you know and uh, and why his wife keeps getting you know damp and uh, not knowing what to do about it so they've got a you know they've got a, a staunch leader in that regard you know we're hit, it's uh if 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 these guys take control and they overturn that thing, we're going right back to the fifties, folks. We're going back to missionary position, crew cuts, and repression. You know, let's keep them in the closet. Let's keep the wife. Let's keep the wife in the kitchen so that she can uh, she can uh, take her Valium and her Adderall and be a closet drinker, like back in the fifties. You know. Yeah. You know if you don't learn from history you're doomed to repeat it right so I mean these people just can't get out of their own way but uh, it's and um <laughs> it's like uh like this morning I was out in my walk I was out on my my old man hike right and uh there's a bridge or there's a turnaround point at the bridge and sometimes you there's like a a I don't know what there is, like a PE, is like a PE class, or, it couldn't be, I don't think it's a cross-country team, but it looks like a couple of coaches, or a couple of instructors, and then a group of kids, and they're out on the bike trail, they're out by the creek, and then they all start kind of taking off in unison, but it's more of a, of a walk, it's not a run, so I don't know if it's cross country. I, I don't think it is a cross country team or a track team because there's some real fatsies. there's some real fatso's some real chubs, so I don't think it's cross country. Um, but anyway, so so they were out ahead of me. I, I made the turnaround at the bridge, and then they were out ahead of me. And then I caught the coaches, and then I caught the kids, and then I worked my way through the kids. I passed them, and but the sun was facing me. So, or no, it was behind me. So I could see my shadow, and then I could see there's some little punk kid trying to be funny, walking behind me. And I get it. He was trying to mimic me, and I didn't turn around. I, I didn't acknowledge it. So I just let him have his fun, because that's what I did when I was a kid, you know? We've all done that. We, you know, I was that, I, was, I was that type of little shit that would have done the same thing his age for a laugh. I get it. I, I, I saw his shadow behind me. I could have turned around and just said, what's up? You trying to be funny for your little boyfriends over there, but why engage? It's again, it's just a kid having a lark and, uh, the other kids got his attention and he's, he, he, he pulled, he pulled off, but, uh, but it dawned on me how, you know, I let him have his fun. However, if his school chums weren't there, he probably would have minded his own business. He was walking by himself. He would have minded his own business. I think, and I, think I just described the tactics that politicians rely on to kind of egg each other on. If there's somebody to watch the chaos, or you've got your, your, your crowd, your group, your, uh, the people that confirm your, your own personal values or become a sounding board... It obviously makes you more motivated to do something. I I always did shit like that for an audience. With an audience, you need an audience. You wouldn't do it by yourself, because what's the, you know, unless you're like a complete sociopath, you know, or a psychopath, you're not gonna just randomly like, you know, mimic some fifty-year-old guy walking down the bike path. Because who's who? Who would be there to notice? It's like if the tree falls in the woods, you know, and nobody's around. It's that, whole, it's that whole Buddhist mentality thing, right? So, it was funny. But again, these people wouldn't do it if there was no, 80, uh, no audience to cater to, right? And I think that's what the politicians do. I think they got a, they've got a virtue signal to their, their, their tribe, right? Because if their tribe didn't exist, they wouldn't be as compelled to make an ass of themselves. You know, for the sake of the cause, for the sake of the, the movement, right? It's so it's it's so creepy and disingenuous, you know. So, but uh, yeah, so you got old, so you got <laughs> old, so you, you know, the little mini king of the conservatives, old Ben Shapiro, there, and who, you know, any time a grown man uses the word shtup to describe the act of sex, you know that leaves all the women hot and bothered, wanting to get a piece of that little kosher sausage. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there ain't a grown woman alive doesn't get all hot and sweaty over the word shtup. (laughs) I mean, what is this guy, like a vaudevillian comedian? Who is he, Jackie Mason? I mean, is he the most, uh, you know, uncharismatic person? This guy literally doesn't know, doesn't doesn't understand the Cardi B song, Wet Ass Pussy. You know, he's trying to, he's trying to, uh, he's trying to get some paper towels to, you know, clean up (laughs) clean up his wife before he goes in for a shtup (laughs) like baby why are you so (laughs) damn it's like that it's like that Polish joke you know why do uh why do Polish guys have so are so shitty at sex because they wait for the swelling to go down fucking dummies. (laughs) (laughs) good old Ben Shapiro talking about shtupin Stupin, ooh, ooh, Ben, you get me all worked up talking about stupin. But, uh, but anyway, moving on. I've uh, part of my regimen is is I've been doing a fast. I'm I'm uh, I'm buying into the I'm buying into the narrative about fasting. And not for any uh, um, not for any fashionable reasons because I'm not a fashionable guy uh I'm doing it because i uh i I think I eat so much like matter of fact, to clarify this this fast is only gonna last as long as excuse me there's as long as there's well i bought these I bought these pizzas and they're in the fridge. And it's like a cornmeal pizza, and it's fucking amazing. And uh, as long as those are still there, I'm gonna fast. But as soon as, as soon as these dirty beggars that I live with start getting their, their shit hooks on them, man, this fast is over. I'm fucking laying claim to those pizzas. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna fuck that shit up. But, 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 but the real, the real. Genuine article behind this is, uh, yeah, I, I stuff my face like a fucking, like I eat like I got a hole in my neck, you know? And, uh, so when I wake up, I look like, uh, my belly's like fucking, I look like the snake that swallowed the rabbit, right? And I don't want that. I want my, I, I'm, I'm, I'm reversing the aging process. So what I read in regard to fasting was that it kind of, uh, it does kind of a, like the, the body is such a miracle, you know, and we should administer as many laws as we can on women to uh derail any kind of anyway uh, no the body is a miracle because when you stop eating, it starts doing an inner an, an internal audit according to what i read and it 's fascinating so the first twenty four hours uh, your insulin levels um, i think it 's yeah your insulin levels spike, and then it calms down. And then it starts. Uh, uh, let's see, in into the forty-eighth hour, it'll start the ketosis, which is a system where it starts the internal audit within your body to uh, go in and start uh, repairing damaged cells. I mean that's fucking amazing. And then if you go, uh, so like any, so things that are kind of out of whack, you know. Like I don't nagging little, you know, uh, cells that, 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 uh, are kind of on the fritz, you know, like those, like those, uh, like those Christmas tree lights, you know, that are kind of, you know, there's always one or two that are kind of hang, just barely hanging in there or not working. you got to take that shit out so that the rest of the, so that the rest of the strand can work. Biatch. So, um so I'm fasting for at least as long as those pizzas are still in the fridge. I bought those <laughs> pizzas uh, and the, but the minute anyone starts chipping away at them, it is off, man. It is go time. But but if I make it to 72 hours, then according to and this is more than one article that I've read, your body starts creating stem cells. So like if you have nagging a nagging little ache or pain, or a knee thing, or uh, who knows, maybe you got a stiff neck, or you have something wrong with your flexibility, or uh, something's keeping you from uh, from an entire uh, clean bill of health. At seventy-two hours of fasting, according to the articles I've been reading. You start creating stem cells to go in and repair that shit like what the fuck like I don't I mean it sounds kind of trendy it sounds kind of uh nouveau trendy fucking you know it sounds kind of a little too Facebooky like uh, you know uh, like fake motivational speaker talk but but if that's the case man I mean I'm willing to fucking I'm willing to not I'm willing to not pay for overpriced food so that I can get free stem cells shit as it is we got to go to mexico to get stem cells because uh i don't think you can get them here uh or if you can it's very expensive like it's crazy expensive like ridiculous like 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 i know rogan's paying like five figures on, on on these stem cells that he's hooking people up with you know but it fucking works it's weird it's bizarre it's interesting so um so what have i got to lose right so uh but again the whole you know i mean it used to stem cells used to be the controversy with the conservatives like oh we can't do we can't allow stem cells taken from you know um you know fetal, fetal cords, uh, you know, from, uh, umbilical cords, you know, that, uh, and I've, t- and I've dozens of times I've gone into hospitals to get cord blood. I mean, this is the, I mean, this the cord blood is the fucking, that is the miracle fucking smoothie right there. Um, but it was always very controversial because they seem to be, again, they seem to think that we're just like, you know, knocking babies off to get these fucking things to help us, but it's, um, it's not. I'm again. I don't have a dog in the fight. I, my kids are. My kids are grown. You know, and I can't stand. I can't. I can I Just. I can't. I, I. don't like Americans fighting Americans. Um. But in the, well, in the case of abortion, just check out the Whitaker family, from uh, the Soft White Underbelly YouTube. Channel the one I was talking about with the the one uh, Mark Leda set up. He's got four thousand interviews of homeless people, prostitutes, drug dealers, psychopaths, pedophiles, narcoleptics, uh, necrophiles. Yeah, necrophiles. You know what that is, right? And uh, but he's got uh, one of the most popular. I think is uh, his interview with the Whitaker family from the Appalachians. This is (laughs) this is not why you get an abortion, but this is what happens when when incest happens. Um, You get the Whitaker family. Just check them out. It will blow your mind. One of the guys, one of the sons. He only speaks dog. He only barks. He only knows how to bark. He was raised like in a litter. Like these bumpkins are sitting in the Appalachians, just fucking each other, just fucking, just. Doing what Ben Shapiro cannot do—fuck his own family—and it's uh, bizarre and gross and twisted and weird and fascinating and morbid. And uh, but hey, it's pro-life, baby. You know, get your son to bark like a dog. Like the guy, the guy barks. All he does is bark. He can't talk. He was raised by a do- well, he was raised by his uh, his mother slash sister, and he uh barks like a dog that's all he does he can't talk so uh relatively speaking the quality of life there is maybe a little bit in question maybe uh maybe uh so but um you know it's a great example of pro-life The one son that can only communicate by barking. Great example. Great example. Um, But something, so before I put on that video, before I put on the uh, Amtrak to San Luis Obispo uh, for my lady and I to pretend like we were actually, our room was actually going to San Luis Obispo and the computer was the window to look out of, I was, uh, I was, uh, it had dawned on me, it kind of, I had this epiphany. Um, Last summer when I spent a few months out at the nudist colony, I I kind of had, I kind of, I kind of had some revelatory moments, I had some epiphanies, and one of them was that, and it finally, it finally solidified into like an actual uh, personal manifesto for myself, and it it dawned on me yesterday that um, if we fight, if we want to fight, we fight because we want to fight, okay? Meaning like argue, okay? Or whatever. You know, we get in, whatever we get, when when we get into it with someone, right? It dawned on me. And I finally was able to kind of encapsulate it into a tidy little verbal Uh, and encapsulated it in in verbal terms, and that's that whenever you fight, it's because you want to fight. Like you, from whether it was the beginning of that day or that week or that month or your life, there's there's just some people that will... There are people, most people, myself included, we're, 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 we're wired to stand our ground and fight, right? Or at least we feel compelled to whether we do it or not but when we get into arguments or when we get into debates or when we get into uh fist fights, if we get into if we yell at people who cut us off you know out on the road cut us off in the street or uh you know whatever the case may be and and, and we fight about we want to fight it's because we want to fight you know, like I had this uh, this guy Charlie, I used to, a roommate of mine. Charlie, I talked about him last year in some of the podcasts. He went to uh, he went to Colorado with me when I was twenty two. He and I drove out there. He was my roommate out here in Sacramento, and he's this Puerto Rican kid, funnier than fuck. One of the funniest guys. One of the, probably one of the top ten funniest people I'd known and I've known some mother, some funny motherfuckers but this guy he liked to fight uh, when we were living in SAC um, he'd come in at night with a broken pool cue you know after being out most of the night he'd get back and he'd have a broken pool cue in his hand you know uh, when we were out in Colorado he did get cut off by a guy. I remember he, he leaped out of his truck one day and he was going to rearrange this guy's grill. He was going to activate this guy's dental plan to cut him off at the lighters. And he was, he was going to rip this guy a new one, right? But Charlie wants to fight. He, he's... he's uh, I don't know if it's a Puerto Rican thing. They like to fight. This guy liked to fight. So you got to want to fight. When you fight, when you argue with your boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, mom, dad... Family, cousin, whatever—you know, your uh, your dog barking, son. You want to fight because you want to fight. Because otherwise, you just have to let it just roll right off your back, right? You gotta have amnesia. That—that that was my biggest takeaway. I think that was my biggest takeaway from last summer. Is just water off your back. Let it bead right off your back like a duck. You know, you gotta be airtight. You gotta be—you gotta be tight as a you know, as waterproof, as uh, unsinkable as a fucking duck's ass, right? As watertight as a duck's ass. You don't want to sink, man. You don't want to give into that. Be cool. Rise above it. You know? Have amnesia. Somebody says something crossways you can't figure out, you know? Some ambiguous text, some ambiguous line, some... Inflammatory sentence that you don 't know how to take well, what do you what are you going to do by by giving in by by taking the bait because that 's what all you're doing is you 're just taking the bait because that person wants to fight that 's why they 're fighting with you because they want to fight because if you don't want to fight don 't fight like like when I was like this morning when I was hiking along the bike trail alongside the river by the creek and these little punks just follow me you just gotta you know what what's the point in turning around and, 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 and saying hey you doing this for your your, <laughs> you doing this to get your, your your little boyfriend's attention there or what point is that that's just that's ego that's ego and you trying to protect your own ego for what so you, pff, to look good in front of nobody from people you don't know, from people you you don't you couldn't give two shits about. It's a pride thing. But you know what you know what pride gets you? Fuck pride. Pride gets you nothing. Pride usually gets you a sock in the mouth. So you gotta have you gotta have I don't know. I've just decided, fuck it. You know? Actions speak louder than words, and words don't speak that, you know. They like it back it up, you know, just don't, but don't acknowledge it, that's, that's kind of where I came from, you know, um, um, I watched, uh, the other night, I was going through the, uh, the catalog on the TV there, on the television, on the, on the picture box, and, uh, I found the movie 1941. And man. What a, that was like let's see. That had to have been Spielberg's third movie? Third or fourth. I can't remember because he did his very first movie. Um, Steven Spielberg's first movie was a movie called Duel. Which I think it was just made for TV, although they I don't know if they ever released it, but I know it was it was it was originally made for television because it was uh it had Dennis Weaver, the guy that played McLeod. Or yeah, McLeod. I <laughs> mean that's an old that's now that's an old reference. I think I think um That's an old reference, but um it's just about a mysterious like semi-truck that that hounds this driver who is uh, Dennis Weaver. You never I don't think you ever see the driver of the semi too, but it's like a big highway road duel. Anyways, it was, it was very well received, but it was very really small scale. So second movie I I think his second movie was uh Jaws? Well, well let's find out. Let's find out. There, Steven Spielberg Berg. movies chronological order. Okay, so technically it was Dual, which was made for TV, then it was, uh, the one well. The ones that he directed. His f- first feature film that he directed was actually uh, a movie in '74 called *The Sugarland Express* with Goldie Hawn. Oddly enough, huh? Isn't that weird? I think Sean Connery's in it too. And then um, *Jaws* was '75. The next year, that was the that was the that was the game changer. That was the one that uh, created the summer blockbusters, so that all the independent films, you know, all the Bob Rafelson pictures and the Peter Bogdanovich films and uh, you know the artsy, story-driven movies were just ushered out after '75 because he got Jaws that, that did like 277 million in a weekend, and then '77 was Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which is another epic one. But in '79, he did a movie called 1941, and I think it's overlooked. I, t- I think people forget about this one, but it's one of I I think it's one of his. I think it is one of his most entertaining. And the premise is it's December 13th. It takes place it's it's what's really cool about it is it's at a 24-hour it's at a 24-hour span. And it's December 13th, 1941, so 6 days after Pearl Harbor. And the East Coast, or rather the L.A. Coast is kind of on alert. They're keeping a watch for any uh, attacks, subsequent attacks after Pearl Harbor. And um, so it's all, and it's the cast is huge. It's got uh, Dan Aykroyd, John Belushi, John Candy, Warren Oates, um, Ned Beatty, um, God, I mean, it just... Joe Flaherty, um, Treat Williams. Uh, it's got Christopher Lee. He plays a German, uh, Nazi, he plays a Nazi, uh, officer. It's got slim Pickens, The guy that rode the bomb out the bomb door, Bombay door of, uh, the ending, uh, at the end of, uh, Dr. Strangelove, the Stanley Kubrick classic. And so, uh, the premise is, so everyone's on alert and they're keeping an eye out for uh, any planes any uh, everyone's kind of on a high paranoia a state of paranoia and anxiety right and uh but dan Aykroyd is the he's this uh he's the uh he's a gunner sergeant i believe sergeant frank what's his name frank tree that's his name <laughs> he, and there's uh, a there's a simultaneous there's a USO show going on, and the fight breaks out at the USO show. So it's like sailors fighting, Marines fighting, Army guys fighting, everybody, and it breaks out into the streets of L.A. And uh, oh, and Robert Stack's in it. He's uh, he plays uh, Colonel. What's his name? Uh, oh, anyway, he's in there watching Dumbo because it's 1941 and. Dumbo just came out in the theaters. And uh, so it's a big, di- you know, there's this big fight is coming out in the streets. And so Dan Aykroyd and his crew, he's got John Candy in there in this tank with them, and a bunch of other ragtag kind of bumbling fools. And he's not having a, he's, he's not having it. He's, he's tired of everybody fist fighting. Americans fighting Americans, right? So what he goes, uh. So he stops in the this is middle of LA, middle of the streets of LA, in front of the, the theater where Dumbo's playing. He goes, uh, he goes, You think the crowds believe in Walt Disney? The crowd, the crowd is the fight, the crowd that's been fighting each other the whole time. They're like, Yeah. He goes, Yeah, well, was that Mickey Mouse I saw blitzkrieking across France? And the crowd's like, No. He goes, is it, Was that Pluto in Poland? No! Or Donald Duck at Pearl Harbor? No! If there's one thing I can't stand seeing, it's Americans fighting Americans. I thought to me, I thought to myself, how fucking poignant was that? How perfectly executed was that? And it's, you know, it's done in the backdrop of the typical, like, crazy, over-the-top kind of cinematic quality that Steven Spielberg has for telling stories and creating settings, you know, and there's like a backdrop of like a, you know, there's smoke and chaos and Warren Oates is out of his mind. Like he is in every Sam Peckinpah movie he's ever been in. He's, He's got glasses on, and one, one of the lenses is cracked, and he's telling John Belushi to show him his, show me your guns, show me your guns, and John Belushi is lighting up, he's, Warren war Oates is like this fucking kook who's in Barstow tr- doing uh, gun training, gun, marksman training, and he seems to think he's going to get, uh, he's going to get uh, invaded by, uh, by, by Japanese troops, so he's calling for He's calling for backup, and he's and it's but it's just a test range, it's just an artillery range where they're training for their sharpshooting. And oh, and Tim, Matheson, Tim Matheson's in it. I mean, everybody, it's like it's like uh, it's like Animal House before Animal House because Animal House was the next year, 1980, I think. or No, no, it was the year before. I take that back. So it was a lot of the same cast. It was virtually uh, aside from John Candy and those, I mean, everybody else was it's the same cast. It's like it's like animal house went to war. But, um, anyway, long story short it's like, everyone's going crazy on each other and there's no Japanese people in sight. There's a sub off the coast, but, um, they, you know, John Belushi's flying around doing uh barrel rolls through the streets of, of LA. He's, he's trying to shoot down Tim Matheson. Cause he thinks that's a Jap. That's a Jap plane. Tim Matheson or uh war or uh Wow, oh, uh, the fucking, the rest of the LA crowd thinks John Belushi's a, a, a Jap plane, so they're shooting at him, it's just, everybody's shooting at each other, just creating mindless, pointless havoc, but the point being is, like, it, it was eloquently just tidied up by Dan Aykroyd, <laughs> he goes, he goes, uh, he goes, hey, isn't it, a, isn't it an air raid, we gotta, why are all these lights on? What are all these lights doing on? Don't they have, doesn't it have to be dark for an air raid? They're like, yeah, he goes, let's take out these lights. So they start blasting. I like, start shooting out the lights like they're just blasting the streetlights. Uh, but, but the point is, uh, it's you know this is nineteen seventy nine, Americans fighting Americans. Who would have ever thought? Who would have ever thought? You know what I you know what I mean? And but it's come to that point now. It's gotten to that point. Where it's tragically, uh, we're, we're turning in on ourselves and we're turning each other in uh, for the sake of some kind of uh, scoring system in our own brains for our tribe, for the tribe that we represent. Oh, did you see what Biden did? Oh, did you see what Trump did? Oh, did you see what Biden did? Did you see what Trump did? Did you see what Biden did? Fuck off. There is nothing more, like, when you... There is nothing more... Uh, unsavory in my mind than listening to just people rant about the other sides. But there's not, Actually, there's nothing more unsavory than just listening to people whine and complain. Like grown-ass adults, for one. Just whining and complaining. I mean, you don't have to accept it. You don't have to accept it. But uh, it's, it's, it's an erosion. It's an eroding process that's going on right now, right in front of us. Because when I said, when I made that joke about um when I made that joke about uh you know the Amtrak train conductor praising our dark lord Satan my lady when she was sitting in the, in in the room with me she she I swear I swear not 5 minutes later she pulls up on her phone she's on Facebook which is just to me again like social media just fucking is, is part of the erosion process. And this is a great example. All of a sudden a suggestion pops up on her Facebook. Would you like to join the group? Uh, <laughs> you know, Satan lovers or is it, well, I don't know what the name was. It. it was something about Satan, all hail Satan or some bullshit. Hey, suggested group. You might be interested. In. Well, what does that tell you? That motherfucker, that social media app's fucking listening to you, which is no news. I mean, we all know that Jesus Christ. It's part of the divisive techno. It's part of the erosion of, the, of, of, of our system. Um, just like cancer, there's nothing more effective for the demise of an organism than from within. And that's what cancer does to you. It eats you from the inside out. Social media, same deal. All these bots. That's why uh, fucking old Elon Musk is... He's going to scrub all the bots out. And from what I understand, he's going to charge governments to, you know, post their vitriol and their toxicity. Good. I hope that's the case. I hope he charges fucking 50 bucks a tweet for those fucking dunces. The rest of us will be fine. Although I don't... I could give a fuck about Twitter, but... Or any of those social media engines. But, you know, the casual... So the casual subscribers find it's just all these toxic entities you know the governments the governments of the world not just ours i mean it's not just us you know cuz we're doing the same thing to other governments i mean don't be naive but but uh i mean it's tragic it's yeah and then you so you as 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 uh counter intuitive or counterproductive as it may sound you've got to have amnesia um I know i go I go with the old adage you know that if you don't learn from history, you're doomed to repeat it, but in certain instances, it's okay to have amnesia to forget about some of the vitriolic garbage that surfaces on uh, in the court, you know, like who, who, like who gives a fuck about what one politician said about one thing in regard to fucking whatever he got canceled for? Like, is that all you've got to do with your day? Is that, (laughs) is that, is that fulfilling to you? You know, nothing could be more, um, I don't know. So one of my favorite, like, when I was going through, um, I was looking up, uh, when I was going through the Amtrak videos on YouTube, just prior, I was looking up the most, uh, the most powerful performances and live performances in music history. Of course, I think number one was um, Queen at, at, at uh, Wembley Stadium in 85 at uh, Live Aid. That was huge. I mean, Freddie Mercury just, he's got 78,000 people, 72, 000, I remember, 70-plus thousand people in the palm of his hand. Just, just epic, just gives you chills, just gives you the, you know, it gives you that, uh, that ASMR tingly feeling, right? Like, that's my ASMR right there, fuck. But one of the other experiences was Jimi Hendrix playing at Woodstock, playing on a Monday morning, playing the national anthem. Just look that up. Just pull it up. It's on YouTube. It's everywhere. It's any video. Just just go onto to Google and type in Jimi Hendrix national anthem. He uh, he had to he had to perform Monday morning. Uh, it was the it was the three day festival and he wasn't scheduled to go on until well what may seem like an inopportune time a monday and early like early but the beauty of that is can you imagine if you could can you imagine just being at woodstock all weekend you know hiking up like a movement like a fucking peace movement, you know? It has nothing to do with left or right, up or down, conservative, liberal, this or that. It's just this huge pilgrimage of peace, just walking up the streets of upstate New York through the farmlands, going up to, what's his name, Max Asger's farm, you know? Fucking dairy farmer, just at the last minute, because... Because the previous place, the previous venue, pulled out when they saw what was happening. Because it was just—I mean, you had what—hundreds of thousands of people, hundreds, tens of hundreds of thousands, right? And you're there all weekend, man. And you just hunkered down, and you're—you know—you're navigating your way through all the chaos, and you're listening to every—you know—you got Santana playing, you've got the Who, you've got. Sean on of all, what the fuck was Sean on doing there? Is that even a real band? And, but then, so you survive Friday, you make it through Saturday. You may have taken the brown acid. You may have survived that. You know, you're working into Sunday afternoon. It's feeling like a good Sunday. You're coming down off the brown acid. You know, you can feel your feet again. You can feel your face again, your lips. Everything's still there. You zonk out, you know, from, who knows, from complete exhaustion, from smoking weed, from eating mystery tent food, you know. And then Monday morning as the sun rises, fucking Jimi Hendrix, the greatest guitarist of all time, as the sun is rising over the farms of upstate New York, He lays in the most psychedelic version of the national anthem you've ever heard. It's fucking blowing your mind. You're waking up to this shit in a damp sleeping bag, you know? You got, there's just people just all over the place, just laying on each other, just zonked out of their minds. And you hear those first couple of chords. late great jimmy hendrix making love to the national anthem i'll talk at you later arrived at you babies